0: It's going to be great fun next uh, Sunday with RT launching his book on wisdom, and, and as Chris has said, you can see that in uh, the Revival Times, there has got an article on that, so that's exciting. Well done on those of you that had problems on the tubes, but you came anyway. A special blessing on you, I pray, today. And uh, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. I want to speak to you today about the stones of your testimony. The stones of your testimony. The children of Israel were just about to enter into the promised land, and it had been a long wait. I mean, when God first called them out of Egypt, it was only meant to be a few weeks, and then they would go in, possess the land, uh, eat the honey drink uh, the milk and enter into everything that God had promised them right from the beginning. But you know the story. They did not believe God. And uh, they just went round in circles until the Joshua generation was ready to possess. And so, as at the beginning of their journey with God, when they faced the water, the Red Sea, that they were going to miraculously cross over, now they were ready for another crossing To cross over from the wilderness of their lives into the promised land. And everything was going to change after this crossing. Everything was going to change. As soon as they crossed, there was no more manna. As soon as they crossed, there there was no more water from the rock. Now, everything that they needed, they would have to possess themselves by faith. They were going to enter into a totally new environment... And they were going to have to be totally different in their attitude to God and one another. So this is an amazing moment. And uh, we read, And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe. And command them, saying, take for yourself twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priests' feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodged tonight. And Joshua called the twelve men, whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then, they shall, then you shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off from before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones be for a memorial, shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, and as Joshua commanded, and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of children of Israel, and carried them over with them to, um, to the place where they had lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in that place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. So, in the midst of this great miracle of crossing over, we have a great attention to detail, and the detail here is that a testimony to this event should be left, It wasn't just going to be left to their own memory. But God wanted something that future generations could come and could visit the very spot where this miracle of the parting of the waters of Jordan took place. And the people walked over on dry land. He wanted something where people could go right back to that spot and then see stones. Stones that were laid at that spot at that time. And then they would be able to say, what are these stones here for? What are these stones here? And they would say, these stones are here for a testimony. A testimony to what God did to your forefathers. A testimony for future generations. Now, I want to show you how important that is for us today. Now, we'll come back to this, but if you'd like to turn to Revelation chapter 19. last book in the bible if you didn't know revelation 19 and verse 10 revelation 19 and verse 10 and i fell at his feet to worship him that's jesus oh, sorry no that's the angel but he said to me see that you do not do that for i am your fellow servant And of your brethren, whom of the testimony of Jesus, worship God. Now here it is. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What an incredible phrase. What does it mean? Well, what I believe it means is this. Is that the testimony of Jesus, what Jesus has done yesterday... He can do today. And so the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Whenever you have a testimony of Jesus in your life, or Jesus is God, a testimony of God in your life, wherever we see a testimony, we're not seeing something that is a dead historical past event, but something that carries power for the present and the future, whenever that testimony is released. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let me broaden it. What I'm trying to say is this, is that what God has done in the past, the testimonies of God, the stories of God, what God has done in the past, when we remember them, and when we bring them to him, that testimony becomes the spirit of prophecy. In other words, what is happening is, whenever you testify about what God has done in your life, it opens a door for God to do something in your life or somebody else's life now and in the future. Testimony is not just about the past history of God's work. Oh, how nice, let's read the Bible and read about the old things that God did in the old times and and, and say, wasn't that wonderful back then in the Bible times? And isn't that interesting how God did a miracle here or there or what happened? And that's interesting, that's nice, let's go on in our lives. No, when the Holy Spirit gets involved... Every time we have a testimony about what God has done, whether it's in Scripture, whether it's in church history, whether it's in your personal life, when that testimony is shared under an anointing, then it is opening it, opening up a possibility for God to do exactly the same thing again, or a similar thing again in someone's life. When we go back to the Bible and uh, we read about testimony... Testimony is very important in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Now, what is a testimony? A testimony is the written or spoken record of anything that God has done in history. So a testimony is a record. You might write your testimony down. Sometimes when we pray for people and they believe they've been healed, we take their testimonies and we write down the testimony of what they believe that God has done to them. So it can be written or it can be spoken. We had some wonderful testimonies on Saturday and Friday night by people that are involved in the cell ministry. And they, they just gave a testimony of what God had done in their lives. And when they gave that testimony, it wasn't like, well, well, that's all right for you. No, it actually released something into the congregation People got excited. People were praising God. People were thinking, wow, if God did that for them, maybe God could also do a similar thing for me. It released faith. You see, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's got something on it. It's not just talking about things that have happened in the past. Psalm 119, verse 111. Psalm 119, verse 111. Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage, or inheritance, inheritance forever. Your testimonies I have taken as an inheritance forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Remember, a testimony is the written or spoken record of anything that God has done in history. And here the psalmist is saying, these testimonies, what you've done, what you've done in history, these are my inheritance, this is my heritage. In other words, what the the psalmist is saying is, what you've done in the past isn't just interesting to read, oh, lovely stories. On the contrary, what you've done in the past is my joy. I rejoice with my heart, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God did it then, he can do it now. And the psalmist is saying, I don't treat the testimonies of what you've done lightly. But in fact, I embrace them, and I say, Everything that you have done in the past, I have a right to believe you to do in the present. Now, Obviously, by the Spirit's leading, this is the prophecy of Spirit, but still, the psalmist is just saying, I'm just going to these testimonies. If you've got a testimony of healing, I'm going to take that as my inheritance too. If God gave you a breakthrough in finances in a difficult scenario, it wasn't just for you. Tell me about it. And then I'm going to take the God that gave you the breakthrough and I'm going to have that as my inheritance. That's laid up for me. I'm going to believe God's going to do that for me. So so everything that God does for us in the body of Christ is not just for ourselves, but we can also, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When someone tells you what God did for you, God did for them, it could be that at that moment, God wants to do it for you. Testimonies release the power of God, the encouragement of God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How revival spreads? Revival spreads by testimony. When revival moves, someone says, I went to this place, I went to that church, and I changed my life. And someone says, really, where was this place? And someone says, oh, it was in Wales. Remember that? Remember Richard Taylor and the move of God in Wales? You know, how, did, how did that spread? How did the fire spread? By testimony. St- things started happening there. And someone told somebody else. Somebody got on the internet. Someone told what God had done for them. They said, God did it for you? Yeah, where? Oh, I'm going to go there. You've got a, you, they were building a stones of testimony like, like they were in, in the River Jordan. And, and people were going and people began to visit. Why? Because the testimony released the power and people went there because of the testimony. Um we find that the word testimony in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for testimony is edut, edut, E-D-U-T, if you're making notes. Now, if you go to the root of the word edut, the root, you have to go to the root, so it's not just plain there, but if you go to the root in Hebrew, it has an element of it that says that edut, or testimony, in its root, has an element of To return, to repeat, or to do it again. So when we talk about the word testimony, when the psalmist says, these testimonies are my inheritance. They're mine, they're laid up for me. The Hebrew word testimony has that element of return to. Repeat, do it again. And of course, this makes sense when we speak about those stones in the River Jordan. This wasn't just something for history, they could have written down what had happened, they could have written a map of of the place, no, they put stones down because they expected generations to go on pilgrimage, on pilgrimage to this place and to take new generations, remember it was talking about the children, wasn't it, your children, and the idea was your children will ask you what happened here, what are these stones for? and you'll take them to the stones, and you'll say, these stones are the stones of testimony. These very stones were laid by the very hands of your forefathers who crossed over this very river by the power of God into Jordan. And remember, testimony means to repeat, to return to. The idea was people would return to this event that God had done. You know, it's very interesting that um, even on the first crossing of the Red Sea, Do you know uh, what Solomon did? At the Red Sea, where the children of Israel crossed, exactly where they crossed, Solomon set up columns. He set up great columns on either side of the Red Sea, exactly at the point where they went in and exactly at the point where they came out. Now, those columns were taken down, but I've seen photos. They, They removed the columns, but they put up poles. So you can actually go right back to the Red Sea, to the place where they went through. And I've also seen photos just, just between the two poles on the other side as you go down. You can see on the bottom petrified um, wheels that, uh, of chariots that are down there, that, that drown there. It's amazing. And even just seeing the photos was amazing. I know it happened. I've read it in the Bible. But to see the photos and, uh, of the actual place where they entered, And to see the underwater photos of chariot wheels, it just got me excited because even though it was photos, I was returning. And I thought, my God, look what you did. Well, of course he did it. It's written in the Bible. Yes, but I returned. There was a touch point. There was a place where I could touch it and I was touched by the Spirit. I've seen photos of the very rock that was split where water came out of it. It's still there. It's still there, and there's a split right down the middle of it. And then there's all around it, it's just worn where the water is. I couldn't believe it. And this is in a proper academic book by a German professor. It's not, you know, some cuckoo person making it up. And just seeing those photos, I know these things had happened, but to have some sort of point of contact. So they could have written the history books and not put the stones there. But the stones were there for a point of contact for future generations to return. But not just to return, but to repeat. Remember the word testimony in the Hebrew, at root, do it again. And so the Old Testament features testimonies and testimonies and testimonies. I mean, you know the Ark of the Covenant? Actually, the Ark of the Covenant that they used to carry into battle, that was put in the Holy of Holies. That was actually not so much the Ark of the Covenant, it was named more properly the Ark of the Testimony. So for example, in Exodus chapter 16, we see that word the first time. Exodus 16, verse 34. Verse 33. And Moses said to Aaron, take a pot and put an Omar or a measure of manner in it, and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. And the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. Now that testimony is another word for the ark. You know what I'm talking about? The ark, the box with the poles in, and the angels on top, the ark of the covenant, you know, redders of the lost ark. That's what we're talking about. So there, it was a testimony. And then, I'll give you another example. Exodus 25 and verse 16. The Ark of the Testimony, it's called. And from verse 10, it begins to explain the Ark of the Testimony and how it was built, the poles and the the angels of gold over at the cherubim. And it says... In verse 16, and you shall put into the ark of the testimony, which I will give you. Um, You shall make a mercy seat, etc. Now, what did they put into the ark of the testimony? Well, it mentions that. It also is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 3. Three things were put into the ark of the testimony. The tablets. The Ten Commandments, the copies of the ones that were broken. The tablets, God's ordinances, were put into the ark of the testimony. Also, we just read earlier, uh, a pot of manna, the miracle manna, that every night, you had to eat it during the day, because the next morning, that manna would turn into worms. But not this one, not this one for the testimony. That was preserved by the Lord. So the tablets, the pot of manna, And also the rod of Aaron's authority. Do you remember when Aaron's rod budded and the others didn't? That was put into the Ark of the Testimony. So this plate, the holiest object in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Testimony, Ark of the Covenant, contained within it objects of testimony. It contained the law. It contained the manner and it contained the rod of authority. Now that speaks, of course, of Jesus, because Jesus, in John chapter 1, was tabernacled among us. He became the ark of the testimony. He was the manna that fed people. He was the rod of God's authority, and and he fulfilled the law for us. So there's a whole thing we could go on that. But notice, where the mercy seat was, the mercy seat... When we talk about going to God's mercy seat for mercy, the mercy seat on this ark was the lid. And on that lid, there were two cherubim, two of God's guarding angels, angels specifically created by God to guard his glory, and they were over it. But in that were these objects of what God had done in history, right in the center. And so testimony was important. Again and again, you see in the Old Testament, don't you? Something happens, and they name the place something. So, uh, um, Jacob wrestles with God, and he calls the place Peniel. Again and again, something happens, and they set up an altar there, Shiloh. They set up an altar there. They, They do something. They rename it. They call it a different name. Why? Because they want to mark the very place with the miracle that God does. And this is right throughout the Old Testament, this picture of doing things for a remembrance, a remembrance. Now, the Hebrew word for remembrance also has this returning activity element to it. So God, in the Old Testament, sometimes it says, and the Lord remembered his people. Have you ever read that? So they're in Egypt for hundreds of years, and then it says, but the Lord remembered his people. Why had he forgotten them? Well, in one sense, of course he hadn't forgotten them. But when it says the Lord remembered his people, or when they're suffering, or when they're under, uh, in the book of Judges, under Philistine control, when God remembers, he acts. And remembrance in the Hebrew is always linked to God act. God remembered and he acted. God remembered and he acted. He didn't just remember and say, oh, oh, they're going through a difficult time. It wasn't just a mental remembrance. Remembrance in the Bible, when somebody remembers somebody, it means they remember with a view to act. And this is why the communion service and the communion and breaking bread is so important because Jesus said, and it would have been in Hebrew, do this in remembrance. Of me, a remembrance. What, a, just a mental recollection? We don't need a communion. We don't need to break bread and drink wine to remember Jesus, do we? We don't need to. We've got the Bible, got the Gospels. We don't need to do that. No, God was saying that when you break bread in remembrance of me, he's saying something is going to happen because it's a covenant meal. And when God remembers his covenant, he acts. So every time you break Bread in your homes, your cells, at church, and these things. Whenever you break bread, you're basically saying, God, do it again. Your covenant promises of healing, do it again. Your your pouring of your spirit, do it again. Everything that you won on the covenant 2,000 years ago, as we break bread in remembrance of you, we're changing as we break bread. We're thinking of you, and we're changing we're changing. We're coming back to you. We're melting our hearts before you. We're getting right with you. We're changing. But the communion service or the communion together in our, as we break bread in twos and threes, it's not just about us acting. God acts. God acts in the communion. When you break bread, you should expect powerful things to take place and to be released in your life. Everything that's in the covenant, you're saying, here's a place. It is a point of contact. The communion is one of the greatest points of contact. It was a point of contact that Jesus gave us himself. Now a point of contact is where your faith reaches out and touches something that will bring you into the power of God. So a point of contact can be the laying on of hands, can't it? Robert Sledden with us a few weeks ago. We asked him specifically to teach on the laying on of hands. And the laying on of hands, point of contact. When you lay hands on somebody, you expect power to come and heal them, and they should expect it's a point of contact. And God loves points of contact. One of the greatest points of contact for the flow of the covenant and the power of the Holy Spirit is breaking bread. Do it again, Lord. Every time you take communion, you're saying, do it again, Lord. Now, Lord. Act, Lord. And so, when we see this crossing over of the River Jordan, that it was meant to be set up as a testimony so that people wouldn't forget. Now, when we're talking about forgetfulness, just like we're talking about remembrance as as a powerful activity of God, so forgetfulness is a powerful activity of unbelief. Because you see, you can, you can know your Bible and yet not remember the God of the Bible. I mean, you can have people, you can have academics that know the Bible from cover to cover, but they don't, they don't believe God for power, they don't even believe in healing. They read the New Testament, they read Acts, they read Corinthians, and healing's everywhere. Testimonies of healings are there, but in their minds they don't even believe God heals today. So forgetfulness, like remembrance, is a spiritual activity, not just a mental activity. Let me show you some forgetfulness to illustrate this. If we go to um, Psalm 78, the dangers of forgetting. The testimonies that are in our inheritance. Um, Okay, Psalm 78, let's just flick through. Let's let's go to... um, Well, let's start from verse 4. Psalm 78, verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, and his strength, and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony. Everybody say after me, do it again, Lord. Lord. For he established a testimony, he established a do it again, Lord, in Jacob, and appointed a law in Israel, where he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget, not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn, Rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. I mean, it doesn't get any more straightforward than that, does it? It says, You tell them the testimony. You tell the generations what God did. You tell them. You tell them about the works of God. You tell them about God's visitation. Why? You arise, you declare. Why? Verse 7 That they may set their hope in God that they may deal with their life and their future and what they're facing and say, wait a second, I know what God did. And I've got a testimony, and that's my inheritance, remember the other psalm. This is mine, this is, these are my treasures. Chris was speaking about treasures and laying up treasures. Testimonies, the testimonies of Scripture, the testimonies of our life. These are treasures. And these were to be their treasures, and it was to give them hope that in whatever scenario they found themselves, the God who acted in the past would also act in the present. Now, if we go to, um, further on in, uh, in, in, in this, to verse 9. This is what happened when people forgot. The children of Ephraim, northern Israel. Israel. The children of Ephraim being armed, verse 9 of Psalm 78. The children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot His works and his wonders that he had shown them. You see, they had all the natural uh, weapons. They had everything that that, that the natural thing could help them in their scenario. They had the weapons. They had the bows. They had everything they needed, naturally speaking. But they turned away from their destiny. Why? Why? Because they forgot God's works. They thought, God can't do it. God's not with us. God, and 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 they had no experience of God's works, but neither did they remember what God had done for their fathers. And then in verse 12, we get this wonderful testimony. So we hear this this Psalm 78: go and tell people. Tell people, speak the testimonies, tell the stories. Tell what God has done in your life. Tell what God did in former ages. Speak it, tell it, tell it, tell it, so that they might have hope for the future. Don't let them forget it, because if they forget it, they won't be able to deal with what they need to deal with. And they forgot, and they forgot this testimony. Verse 12, they forgot the marvellous things. Not just things, marvellous things that he did in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. They'd forgotten that. He made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud, and at night, with a light of fire, he split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink, abundance like the depths. And he brought streams out of the rock, and caused rivers to run down like, caused waters to run down like rivers. But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High, and they tested God in their heart. Now, what was the problem with the children of Israel in the wilderness? What was their problem? Sin, yeah. But what was the nature of the sin? Unbelief, correct. And what are we talking about tonight when we're talking about unbelief? Forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. You see, every time God did something for the children of Israel, the Moses generation. Every time he did something, the next day they forgot it. The next day they forgot it. I mean I don't need to go deep into the story, but they come out of Egypt, and God has delivered them and all those plagues and the final firstborn, but they have the blood of the lamb that protected and, and miraculous and they're released and they're coming out, and then they see the Red Sea like a stone wall before them and they go, "Oh no, that's it. We're finished." He's led us out here to get destroyed. Look, there's Pharaoh coming up behind. Here's the sea. What sort of God would do that, would deliver us and then destroy us? And Moses is like, hey, just wait a second. Remember, he has delivered you. Remember his power in Egypt. Red Sea opens. They go through. They get it. You would think that you'd be able to live off that testimony of God for the rest of your life, wouldn't you? I mean, you would think, if you, wouldn't you like to have walked through the Red Sea? I mean, there's that that ride, isn't there, in um, Universal Studios, where you get to go, and it's like a fake Red Sea. That is amazing. Can you imagine if we, in this room, we got to go through the Red Sea? Do you think you'd remember that the rest of your life? Well, you may, but you may also not spiritually remember it, because they went through that. You'd think that the power of that testimony would drive them right through the Canaan. You'd think that on the testimony of that one miracle... Everything before them, no matter how hard, no matter opposition, they'd be able to say, the God who got us through the waters will get us through this. But within a few hours, it was like, we're thirsty. We're thirsty. What sort of God brings us out in the wilderness? What sort of God brings us out in the wilderness? There's no water here. And it's like, what is the matter with you? Look, God has provided water. And then they get to the water and it's bitter. What sort of God provides us water that's bitter? What sort of sick? God, he's a sadist. And it's like, well, have you forgotten? And then they're the, well, now we're going to starve. Have you forgotten? And time and time again, in the wilderness, God gave a miracle for a testimony. A miracle. They took the miracle, they forgot the testimony. That's why they couldn't cope. And they, they failed every test. And when they finally got to the promised land, and they sent the spies in, only two had learnt the power of the testimony. Caleb and Joshua came back. We can do it. We can do it. God is able. The God who, and they could have named all the miracles that God had done, he'll do it. We're well able. But the rest of them, the rest of the eight, they were saying, no way. No way. And God was furious. Because they didn't learn about how The power of testimony is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, it's the past testimony that has the spirit an anointing on it to get you through the future. To get you through the future. Think of David. He understood this principle. When they saw Goliath, the problem was any one of them could have taken Goliath. Any one of them could have taken Goliath. But none of them took him. Why didn't any of them take him? Well, it was the same. Every morning he taunted them. And and why did they not take him? Because they forgot their testimony. They forgot the God of their fathers. they had forgotten God and what he'd done. All they could see was this circumstance and it was like, where's God? God's nowhere. God can't act. I can't see God working in this. I don't know. And they weren't thinking about the God of the testimony. But there was one young man called David, and how did he do it? He slayed Goliath through the power of the testimony. Remember? Do it again. And he went, what's going on here? Who's this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? Now, the phrase, living God, is such an important name of God throughout the Old and New Testament. Such an important. Whenever you see the living God, stop, pause, meditate. Because when it says the living God, it's talking about the God that acts right now in our life. So who am I? You are the son of the living God. And in Hebrews chapter 3, those back, the same backslidden Moses generation, Hebrews 3, is talking about, it says, Don't be like them who didn't believe God. They refused to mix faith with the message. And it says, and they departed. Be careful that you don't have an unbelieving heart, Hebrews says. Yeah? An unbelieving heart departing from the... What? Living God. Not just departing from God... Departing from the living God. what The God that's alive right now and that can enter into your circumstance, and can do a miracle, change a circumstance. God's not dead. He's alive. He's alive now and he's working now. That's the living God. And they departed from the God of the now because they didn't have the testimony of the past. If they'd had the testimony, then on that testimony would be the anointing to carry them to a new testimony. Listen to me, God wants you to go from testimony to testimony to testimony to testimony. But you've got to have an opposition to have a testimony. I'm not wishing sickness on anybody, but you can't get healed unless you're sick. Maybe you can have a testimony of divine health. You can't have a testimony of divine provision unless you're facing lack. You can't have a testimony of divine breakthrough unless there's a a mountain in your way. And this is how God works with us. He wants you to He wants your life to be a testimony. He wants people to look at you and look at your life and say, God, do it again. God, what you've done in this person's life, do it in my life. He he wants me to tell you my testimony and you're going, do it again and then you tell me your testimony, and I say, do it again. And the spirit of prophecy comes on the testimony of Jesus in our lives, and then we're able to take the next giant, David. He says, who is this? And David says, well, I've got a testimony. The God that delivered me from the bear, the God that delivered me from the lion, that God will deliver me from this giant. He slew Goliath, By a testimony. He said, do it again, Lord. He said, do it again. He revisited in his spirit where God had met with him before. And God was training him with testimony. God will never put something in front of you that you can't handle in him. But you'll need a testimony to deal with it. You need his word. And of course, the greatest testimony of all is this, the word of God. This is just a book of testimony. Do you know that? It's just a, this is a book from cover to cover. It's a book of testimony. The testimony of God. The testimony of God. Do it again. Do the Bible again, Lord. Do it again. And he did do it again. Look at his name. His name is like a testimony. What is your name? I mean your real name, Lord. I mean the name of names. What is your name? Oh, my name is, I will be whatever you need me to be, whenever you need me to be it. (laughs) What sort of name is that? That's not a name like Bruce or Martin, is it? What? it's not a name. What's your name? My name is, I will be whatever you need me to be, whenever you need it. And actually, I heard uh, Dr. Michael Eaton saying that in the Hebrew, that there's a sense of of now, there's a now on it, there's like, right now, right now, right now, I'm going to be right now, I'm ready, right now, it's like the living God, ready, ready, ready. And so, David had a testimony building in his life, he was going from testimony to testimony, and and, and that testimony was building him up for greater and greater things. You see, if you don't get a testimony in your life, you you can't grow, you can't mature, if you, if, you come to the, if you come to the test of the situation that you have to deal with and you don't get a testimony through it, you will end up like the children of Israel and you'll just go around in a circle till you face a similar situation again. It's like doing like, I don't know, GCSEs and you, got, you want to get your maths. And you do your maths GCSE and you fail it. And you say, can I have my maths uh, GCSE? You have to take it again. So you take it again and you fail it. You say, can I have it? No, why? You have to take it again. And you're taking it again. Well, I want to do maths A level. Why anybody would want to do that, I don't. But anyway, I want to do maths A level. Well, you have to do your GCS, GCSE three. I want to do maths at Oxford University. Well, you haven't passed your GCSE yet. Well, yeah, c- can I go to Oxford, please? Can I go to, I want to be, be an Oxford level mathematician. I'm joking. I'm trying to this a story. I want to be an Oxford mathematician. You haven't passed your GCSE. I know, I don't, I don't like GCSEs. Those are for kids. I want, I, want a B, I want my PhD. I want to walk around in PhD gear. Mathematician at Oxford, a PhD. You haven't passed your GCSE. Well, what do I have to do? Pass your GCSE. You pass your GCSE. Okay, now you can do your A-level. You hear what I'm saying? And it's the same in our spiritual lives. See, God will never give you anything that you can't handle in him. So if you can't handle a GCSE in maths, he's not going to give you the PhD paper, is he? <laughs> you won't be able to handle it. And so part of the reason that people are living in such low levels of glory, low levels of breakthrough, is because they haven't passed their GCSE in testimony. They haven't passed it. But God is doing this for your good. And that, so Yahweh is all about, I will be what you need me, to be. And so back to these, to the River Jordan, it was all about crossing over. And these stones were set set as a place of revisitation. These kids would go back in future generations and they would say, this is our God. In Psalm 103 verse 7, it says, he makes known his ways to Moses and his deeds to his people. Before you know his ways, you've got to know his deeds. Knowing his deeds, that is, that, that's where you begin. Knowing his deeds, the testimony. God did this. Believe God. God does heal today, and, and that's his deeds. His ways. Now, now that is PhD. Because you go from his deeds to his ways. Children, you teach the deeds. This is what he did. Do it again. These are the testimony. Do it again. But his ways... Now, his ways, who can know his ways? Because his ways are not our ways. The deeds will get you through. The deeds will get you the testimony. But if you want that intimacy of deep growth of knowledge of God, then you go from deeds to ways. The way God works. The way God works. Don't assume that every Christian knows how God works. But as you go through the deeds of God, guess what? You don't just see what God does, you begin to see how he acts. Now, I know you can't second-guess God, and I know his ways are high, but you know what, after you get to know him a while, after you get to know, you get to know his ways. I'll give you an example, not for myself, but just something that struck me when Colin was speaking, I think it was yesterday, and he was talking about sometimes in his life and ministry when there are seasons of great attack on him personally. And he says, well, I've come to the place where I know that usually when there's a season of great personal attack on me, I'm just about to have a breakthrough. In other words, he says, I know God's ways. In other words, he's, he's been through enough events to say, ah, there's a pattern here. Now, I'm not, you can never box God in, but he does want us to know his ways. And sometimes I find in life, as I move on and grow and learn and see God's acts, and sometimes I be, gosh, I, see what, I can see what you're doing here, Lord. And sometimes it's wisdom of God. Sometimes somebody is going through a situation and they don't know why, and you look at it and you go, I can see what you're doing, God. I can see. Why? Because you've grown to know him, and as you grow to know him, you get to know not just his acts and his deeds, but his ways. So sometimes you can look at something and the person that's in it says, I just have no idea what is going on. There's no purpose to this. This is absolutely, this is, this is crazy. And you look at it, And you say, I see what's happening. I see what God is doing deep in your life. I see. Sometimes you can't even tell somebody at the time, not that you're being mysterious, but they wouldn't believe you if you did. Just like you wouldn't believe somebody because you're in the midst of it. You don't need someone. But As you get to know God, you get to know his ways. And his ways are even more important than his deeds. Because, do you know what? The ends do not justify the means. No, the means are everything. In other words, how we act is more important than what we get by acting. And God, God's glory, God's deepest glories are his ways, his thoughts, his precious. When you see a scenario, and nobody knows what's going on in that scenario, God gives you insight and says, let me show you what I'm doing. Maybe it's a prophetic thing. Maybe God says, let me show you what I'm doing in London right now. Let me show you what I'm doing in this young man or this young woman's life. Let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you what's happening. Let me show you how I'm acting. And those are profoundly holy moments when God displays his ways and takes you into his confidence I mean, that's what he did to Abraham, didn't he? He said, come, will I hide this from you? What I'm going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah? Will I hide this with you? Moses, come here. This is what I'm going to do with that people. I'm going to start all over with you. What's happening there? Now we're getting into the ways. But here, with these revisiting of the stones, it's a place of pilgrimage. Now, when we talk about pilgrimage, we often think about people going on a you know, a, uh, uh, a pilgrimage to this place or maybe a, a pilgrimage to Israel or someone from a traditional background going to a pilgrimage to a shrine and, and often, rightly or wrongly, uh, they go to a shrine. Why? Because something happened there. Something happened there. You know, you can go into Israel and they say, well, this is the place where this happened. This is the place where that happened. And this is the place... And people go, oh, this is the very spot where... Jesus delivered his Sermon on the Mount, or this is the spot, where, or near to the spot. Well, why is that important? Well, for the person that's going, it's very important. Why? Because doing that, they are touching something, they are awakening something, they are getting themselves in a place of contact, aren't they? And there's many ways of God contacting us. I'm not saying you have to go on pilgrimage, but maybe... (laughs) Maybe God will lead you to do that. We're led by the Holy Spirit. None, none of this is, is sort of like, you know, step one, two, three. But God wants us to put... You see, preaching is testimony. See, when, when you preach a message about something, what are you doing? I'm trying, if, I pre, if I was to preach a message today about the woman with the issue of blood, what am I doing? I, I, I'm saying, do it again, Lord, and I'm taking you on a journey by supernatural, hopefully, preaching... So that you have a point of contact through the sermon with the actual thing that took place those years ago. And hopefully the spirit of prophecy, which is meant to be preaching. Preaching is also meant to be prophecy. Hopefully the spirit of God comes upon that preaching about that event, about that miracle, about what happened. And hopefully the Holy Spirit comes upon that testimony of Jesus. It's a point of contact and something happens and you get your breakthrough in your mind or your circumstances. Something changes. Now, we've spoken about the Bible here, but it's the same with our lives. It's the same with church history. You know, I wrote a book on revivals, revival in, in the British Isles. You can get it for three pounds now. Just slices of revival right, right from um, when the gospel first came to Britain, right through the Middle Ages, right through. Slices. And the reason I did this was because there was books out there at the time, and they were so big, you have to wade through. And I just wanted to give enough that somebody could have a point of contact with what happened and who these people were. And also, it was my desire that when we look at the state of the nation, if you just look at it without testimony, you think we're finished, don't you? Europe's finished, but Europe has been finished many times spiritually. And Great Britain has been finished many times spiritually. So when we go back to what happened in the past, I'm not saying God will do it exactly as he did, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it then, why not now? Why not now? And so it's like a point of contact. That's why church history is so important. So important. So important to find the good stuff, the bad stuff, because just like the good stuff... Happens again and again. So the bad stuff does. You know what I'm saying? But finally as I bring this to a close. Before we pray for people. Your testimony is precious. What God has done in your life. What God has done in your life. Is his most precious possession in your life. Your story is God's story. Your story is the story of God. The high points. The low points. The successes. The failures. It's your journey with God. And we need to tell one another stories. This was one of the big things that we were looking at on Saturday and Friday night. It's time to release the power of testimony like never before. Not just on the platform, but also in our lives. It's time to speak of the works of God. Because the more you testify, the more the spirit of prophecy comes to bring those things to come to pass again. The more you talk about the testimony, the testimony multiplies into many testimonies. This is a bit like the bread and the fish. If you, you, your life, my friends, your life is like the bread and the fish of that young boy. That's what it's like. It's just, it's, to you, you might say, well, it's just my life, a couple of loaves and a few fishes. But you know, when you begin to give your life story away and your testimony what God has done for you and those that you know, God multiplies. And your testimony becomes provision for others. It becomes provision for others. You sit with someone going through a difficult time, you say, I went through a similar thing. And by the time you've finished, you've given them bread. They go away saying, so it wasn't the end for you. No, it wasn't the end. It was just the beginning. You need to make room for the testimonies of God need to make room for the do-it-agains. I mean, that's what we do. We, we, we talk about, very often, don't we, about Kensington Temple's history. About what happened in the past. About when they came back and they found downstairs the church full signs. This is 50 of them when they came back in the, uh, in the 50s. It's church full, they found crutches. Why? That's the past. Yeah, but we know that the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former because God has promised it. We say, oh yes, in George Jeffrey's days, at lunchtime, each day when he was resident, he would pray for all the prayer requests that would come to this church from all the way around the world. And Kensington Temple was known as the Church of the Great Physician. Well, that's past, that's past. No, no, no. no. I think it was Shakespeare that said, past is prologue. Past is prologue. What do you mean, past is prologue? It means everything that's happened in the past is preparing for the rest of the story. A prologue is the beginning of a book, isn't it? It's the beginning. It's the setting, the scene, the prologue. It's the setting, the scene for the book. And all past is prologue to this point. So what Whatever your life story is, the good, the bad and the ugly in it, let me tell you something past is prologue, that means that all of that is setting the scene for your future with God see you can't just live day to day, week by week no, God is building something even what the devil meant for harm God means for good You look if I went to Joseph if I went to Joseph in the pit and said hey Joseph, how are you doing? not so good Bruce I had this dream about everybody bowing down to me, and I'm I'm down in this pit. Well, don't worry about it, because past is prologue. But it was. When he was there in Potiphar's house, and he resisted the wife, and he got accused of rape, and was wrongfully thrown into prison, in fact, visited him and said, Hey, Joseph, how you doing? Not so good, Bruce. Thought it was all coming good for me in my life, but it looks like it's all ended. Don't worry, Joseph. All past is prologue. But then that day when he met his brothers and it all come together, and uh, and he was there where the the place where he'd been destined and prophesied. I told him, "How you doing, Joseph?" I think he would say, "Bruce, you're right. All past was prologue. Everything that they meant for harm. My whole life, Joseph would say, my whole life was one of harm, one of betrayal." one of rejection, one of difficulty, all of that. And they meant it for harm. They meant it for evil. Devil meant it for evil. They meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. It was all prologue to the point, to bring me to the point where I would deliver nations from starvation. See, it's testimony. Your life is a, it is a thread, an unbroken thread. Past his prologue. Where you are now, what has happened to you? Good, bad, ugly? It's all setting you up for your next testimony. It's setting you up for your next testimony. Let's not circle around. Let's not circle around with no testimony, forgetting the things that God did in his book of testimony the Bible, forgetting what God has done in our fellow cell members, forgetting what God has done in the church, forgetting what God has done, forgetting what God, forgetting what God, just living hand to mouth, day to day, forgetting yesterday, God breaks through, three weeks later we're complaining again, we forgot about it, there's no sense of history, no sense of building, no sense of do it again Lord, we're just going through and a test comes, we're not ready, we can't cope, we we, 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 we Fail and, and we're just going around in circles. No, let's take stock of who we are, what we're part of, and let's let the testimony of God come into our lives, the testimony of Jesus. You don't have to listen to every testimony, but the testimonies that you open your ears to, there'll be one testimony that God comes on in his spirit. Bang! It's for you. There'll be another one, someone will say something, you'll read it in a book, you'll hear it in a sermon, you read it in the book of testimony, you remember what God did, someone will tell you, a friend, there'll be a testimony. And on that testimony, that testimony will come the power of God, the testimony of Jesus, the power of the Spirit, which is prophecy, because it will take you through. Amen, let's stand together and receive a fresh anointing. God has done good things. God has done marvellous things. Marvellous things. Wonderful things. Wonderful things. Wonderful things. He's done wonderful things in our midst. He's done even more wonderful things in the past and he's going to do more wonderful things in the future. And we're saying, Lord, do it again. We're saying, God, manifest Yahweh. But we understand that we need to be like David. We need to revisit the stones of testimony that have been laid in our life, in our friends' lives, the stones of prophecy, the stones of what God has done. And we need to say, Lord, bring me into contact with the testimony that's going to release the do-it-again in my life. Whenever if you need a healing and somebody gives you a testimony of healing, take it, it's for you. If you need a deliverance and someone gives a testimony of deliverance, take it, it's for you. If God leads you to a special book in church history, to a revival period, or a special man of prayer, or a special woman of prayer, let God lead you in your reading. Be a reader, be a reader. Let God lead you to certain figures of church history, certain figures. God will lead you to certain figures in the past, It'll be your point of contact. God will lead you. God will lead you to certain stories, certain people, and there'll be a divine connection. It'll be a testimony connection. And their life, even if it's a thousand years ago, their life then, and what happened to them then, God will do it again with you. You just have to find the right testimonies, and the Holy Spirit, He will find the right testimonies. He'll bring you into contact. He'll bring you into contact with the right people, the right stories, the right testimonies. He'll open the great book of testimony, the Bible itself. And as you're reading it, God, the Holy Spirit, will take a testimony here, an act of God, and he will apply it and say, I'm going to do it again with you. He'll cause it to alive. Logos will become Ramar. Holy Spirit will come upon a story of old, and he will reignite it, and he will do it again. He will take... Jesus yesterday and he will make it Jesus today he will breathe his spirit on the things of the past he's not changed he's already revealed himself in the book of testimony and he doesn't want to stay in the book of testimony he wants to come out and do it again
1: do it again and again and again and again he's the healer and he wants to heal again He's the deliverer, and He wants to deliver again. He's the forgiver, the restorer, the reviver, the anointer. He's the Holy Spirit, and the story says He was poured out. He wants to be poured out again. God wants to come out of His book, the book of testimony. He wants to come out. He's looking for a people that are going to believe Him. He's looking at the people that are going to read Him. He's looking at people that will contact by the Spirit, the acts of God in the past, and cause them to be displayed again.
0: Oh, glory to God. Just let the power of God come upon you now. Let the power of God come upon you now. Jesus said, A great teacher brings out new treasure and old treasure. Oh, glory. Do it again Lord, and again and again and again. We promise to tell your story, we'll not keep it quiet, we won't forget. We won't forget, we'll tell the story, we'll pass it on. The reason why revivals die out is the first generation doesn't pass on the story properly to the second generation with the spirit of anointing on it. Even in this church there's things that we have experienced in the last 20 years that many of us haven't transmitted or passed on. Great times of God's glory, great times of God's breakthrough. It's part of our history and somebody new comes and says, what's that? What's that? Never heard of that. We need to pass it on so we do it again. We we need to catch up, we need to be together, we need to know our story. You need to know your story with God. If you're a cell leader, you need to know the stories of your people. We need to know our story, who we are. You can't know who you are unless you know your story. Lord, release healing miracles in the name of Jesus. Release healing miracles for long-standing sickness in the name of Jesus. Release long-standing sickness, things you don't even come forward for. You're so used to being sick, you wouldn't even come forward for it. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Remember the testimony of the man 40 years sick by the water. 40 years he got healed. Do it again, Lord. People here that for many, many years, decades. Heal them in the name of Jesus, we pray, Father. People that people that people that have got don't think that they can make it. People that are giving up on themselves. Oh God, show them the Show them the people in the Bible. Show them the Gideons. Show them the weak ones. Show them the failures like Peter. How God turned their lives again. It's never too late with God. Never too late with God. Never too late with God. You can't fall too low that God can't pick you up and use you again. Never too late. Read your Bible testimonies. Oh, testimonies bring glory to you, Lord. Lord, We ask you to break through in this church. Sometimes we're so focused on activity, we do not give testimony. We break through one day, we're on to the next thing the next day. Oh, thanks Lord, we're off. We haven't had time to turn a testimony into a great treasure that can be given to others, something of great value. Wait for breakthrough, Lord, to come into people's spirits. Breakthrough. Breakthrough on the inside, Lord, Holy Spirit. Breakthrough. Get that dark, suppressing, depressing thing off of them, Lord. That suppressing work of the enemy. The enemy too busy telling you his story. Too busy
1: the enemy lying to you trying to get in on your story trying to write the script the enemy it is suicidal thoughts there are depressions there are people that are given up because the enemy is trying to write your script get off God's people in the name of Jesus Satan your lying spirit it's not their story you will not write their testimony it's the testimony of Jesus that brings a spirit of prophecy. False, lying spirits. Lying, trying to write your story. The devil's at work. The devil's at work trying to write your future. Putting thoughts in your mind, stories in your mind. Oh yeah, the devil, he rakes up the past. He rakes up the past. He keeps reminding you of the past. But that past has been dissolved by the blood of Jesus. It's no longer your past in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You've been forgiven! You've been cleansed! The devil's a liar! He's a liar! And he keeps taking you back to that spot! That spot is no more! Christ carried that spot! God wants to take you back to places of joy! Places of breakthrough, places of prayer, places of faith, places of praise! the lie of the devil he's not writing your story anymore you're not writing your story anymore, God is God is writing your story all past is prologue oh hallelujah
0: yes Lord devil meant it for bad God is going to turn it to good It's not going to be a cycle, it's not going to be a cycle It's not going to be a cycle, it's not going to go on and on and on and on Never changing, never breaking through, never growing, never maturing Never getting the breakthrough, never seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living Always struggling, it's not always going to be like that It's not always going to be like that The testimony of Jesus says it's not always going to be like that There is a moment of breakthrough, there is a God in heaven, he is alive
1: Upon you, the spirit of encouragement. Please upon you. It will not be the same. You're not wandering in circles, my friend. God is gonna bring you breakthrough, He's gonna take you into a land of promise. You're gonna cross over the Jordan. God's gonna do some things in
0: your inner man. That's my greatest prayer for you on these Sundays' evenings. That God will do a work on the inside. Thank God for
1: miracles and healing. God do a work on the inside. Let there be a crossing over in the spiritual realm. A crossing over from wilderness thinking into promise thinking. There's a Jordan. Each one of us has to cross. A Jordan. A place of testimony. A place of change in environment. A place of change of action. From wanderer to warrior. From wanderer to warrior. Crossing the Jordan, a new you, which is the real you, come forth. The new you, which is the real you, Holy Spirit, birth in us and bring forth that which you have recreated us today. That which you caused us to be born again. The new nature, causing Holy Spirit to manifest. Oh God teach us to kill the flesh crucify the flesh and bring forth that which you imparted through born again regeneration let the born again part come forth oh God let it happen let there be a work of the spirit amongst us deep in our inner regions deep in the innermost part of our being let the Holy Spirit work his work bring forth Of the latter house, work the works of God
0: for a testimony to the Father, a testimony for the Father and his glory. Just let that settle on you right now. Just let that settle on you. Just let that settle on you like spring rain. Spring rain.